The following is a listener-supported ministry from the Grace Evangelical Society. Hello and welcome to Grace in Focus from the Grace Evangelical Society. Today, James chapter 3, verse 1. Bob Wilkin and Ken Yates consider the importance and the enormous responsibility that a teacher of God's Word has and the caution that needs to be present when in the role of teaching, living, and speaking. If you are a Bible teacher or if you are an encourager of one, if you pray for one, this discussion is something that you will find beneficial. So stay tuned. Then after the discussion, I'll come back and let you know about some of the resources, writings, and videos that you'll find on our website. That's faithalone.org. All right, now time for today's discussion with Ken and Bob. Welcome to Grace in Focus. I'm here with Ken Yates. And uh, Ken, I believe you have a passage that grows out of a little talking we were doing during the break. Yes, Bob and I were talking, and it's a verse that sometimes I don't like to think about too often, (laughs) but I'll read it. It's uh, James chapter 3, verse 1, and I think this is a verse that many of our listeners will probably feel the same way I do about it when you think about it. I really need to take it to heart. But anyway, James 3, verse 1 says, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers. Now, here he's not talking about an elementary school teacher, even though those are great jobs. Right. Talking about teachers of the word. In the local church. Right. Knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. Okay. We were talking about this because... Uh, We've done a number of shows today, and I was mentioning I find this stressful. And the reason I find it stressful is because I realize that there are thousands of people who are listening to what we're saying. They are influenced by what we're saying, and that we are accountable, like James says here. And we're going to have a stricter judgment at the judgment seat of Christ. We're going to give an account for everything we're saying on this podcast, right? Yes, absolutely. You know, it's it's interesting when you look at this, there's a principle here. There's going to be different ways the Lord is going to judge different people at the judgment seat of Christ. And if we just step back a minute, we, we realize that somebody who has been given more opportunity, someone, for example, who has a higher IQ, all kinds of things are going to come into play here. And one of the things James is saying is that one of those things is if you're a teacher, you're going to be held to a higher standard. To whom much is given, much is required. So you and I both sat under the teaching of Zane Hodges, had a lot of instruction from Zane Hodges. Seems to me that makes us more accountable than most people. Because most people never met Zane Hodges, never read Zane Hodges. Maybe through the ministry of GES, they've read him some now. Maybe they've heard him some now. There's a Zane Hodges library that Mike Lee runs that's helpful and has videos that people can watch. But the truth is, we have been blessed that we've been able to ask him lots of questions, to interact with him. We call him a friend. And we're kind of responsible there. And it's not just Zane Hodges. There were many other people that have blessed us and influenced us and continue to bless and influence us. Yes, many free grace teachers I have been blessed with. But I will say, Bob is going to be held to a higher standard because he was around more of them than I was. I'm just just saying. Thank you so much. (laughs) So you're really in trouble. I'm in (laughs) deep, 
deep trouble. At, at, at the Bayba, that's one of the things I'm going to say. I said, well, he, he had more than I had. <laughs> he had more opportunity. Yeah, well, I don't know. And I think this also relates, you mentioned IQ, but there's also things like what about physical well-being? Oh, absolutely. Physical health, physical handicaps, physical disabilities. All of those things are taken into the equation, right? And aren't you glad that the Lord is the one who's going to judge oh, all this? I know, right? And it's also how much time we have. I mean, I just hit 70. I came to faith at 20. This month, I've been a believer 50 years. Wow. Well, I just wonder, for example, for those of us who are older, I'm not as old as you, uh, but not too far behind. Yeah, that's but, right. But what should our advice be? For someone like that, if we look at like a 20-year-old and you say, I'm not really sure you should be teaching this. Should we tell them that? Or, uh... Well, I remember I started at Dallas Seminary when I was 26, and I got my master's degree when I was 30, and I got my doctorate when I was 33. So I was pretty young all the way along. And I remember when I was in the THM program and taking pastoral ministry classes— and they basically recommended that a young man not become a senior pastor until he's at least 30, and better yet, 40, mm -hmm. right? And so the, one of the things they recommended in the pastoral ministries department is consider being an associate pastor for five or 10 years. Get some seasoning under your belt before you're the senior pastor. Right. I think there was some wisdom in that. Now, I, while I was in the doctoral program, I pastored a small Bible church. I was the quote-unquote senior pastor, but I don't think you can call a person with only one part-time pastor the senior of anything. <laughs> I, I was just leading this small teeny group for two and a half years. But yeah, my time on Campus Crusade for Christ, God used it dramatically in my future life and ministry and what I do now. And so it was very profitable in the long run. But how many people did I positively influence for Christ? I don't know. A small number. Some of the people I discipled in my action group are still going on with the Lord and, and still doing well. And I think I had a small part in that. So I, I think there's some reward there. And I think I did lead a couple of people to faith in Christ during those years. I mean, I had, you know, typically most years about five to ten who quote-unquote, prayed to receive Christ, but how many of those really got it? That it was by faith, apart from works, that they had everlasting life they could never lose? Well, there were some, but I'm not sure what the number is, and, you know, I, I can't go back to my thinking back then. Well, I, I will say, to use myself, I was pretty young when I went to seminary as well. I was in my 20s. I was planning on going on the mission field. And the Lord closed all those doors. Our twins were born and they had a lot of medical conditions. But we would have gone. And looking back on it, I was so ill prepared for that. So as far as me, as far as teaching, that was obviously the grace of God working in my life that I didn't take that step and go. But the other thing that I would say about the free grace movement and the reason I hate the free grace teachers I've had is because, <laughs> because, and I think, I think a lot of people could probably relate to this. I know you can. It really causes you to watch your words. All these phrases we use without thinking. Now I find myself every time I'm talking, I'm like, oh, wait, I shouldn't say that word. I shouldn't use that word, this phrase. Because we have these evangelical catchphrases that we 
when we grew up, we were using. Before we get into a few of those specific examples, let me ask you this. Do you find, which I find, I'm preaching in front of a church. I've got a manuscript in front of me, but I don't read my sermon. So I'm going along, kind of looking down, but sticking with it. Do you ever find that you're about to say something and your filter in your head says, whoops, you can't say that? Exactly, all the time. That's, right. why I, that's why I hate these people who made me like this. And so then you kind of hitch, right? You kind of have a verbal hitch and you say something the right way, right? right? I've even had a few times, maybe you have as well, where I'm preaching along and I say the wrong thing and then just correct myself. Have you <laughs> yeah, done that? I do that all the time. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, oops, I didn't mean to say that. <laughs> or you'll or you'll say something, you'll go, well, that's not technically correct. <laughs> so, you know, what I just said was wrong. <laughs> right. Like, for example, and I've heard you say this, the phrase, uh, I can't wait to live in heaven forever. Yeah, right. That's wrong. That's a wrong Because we're not going to live in heaven forever. We're going to be on the new earth. Exactly. Right. And so that's just an example. It's like, oh, man. Yeah. Another thing before we get to a few of the specific words we want to avoid, I want to point out that when he says, let not many of you become teachers, He's talking about in the local church, they would have three or four, let's say in most churches, elders, and most of these elders, if not all of them, became teachers on a rotating basis in their Sunday Lord's Supper meeting, and so they would be teaching. And he's saying, let not many of you become teachers. And so that was only for people who had that giftedness. They had to at least be apt to teach. They didn't have to have the gift of teaching, but all elders have to be apt to teach. And he's saying, be careful there because you're going to have a stricter judgment. But it does apply to Sunday school teachers, right? And it applies to Bible study teachers, home Bible study teachers, home fellowships. Uh, if you're teaching at one of these parachurch ministries, sure, you're it teaching applies God's to word. all of that. Or right. even if you're teaching your kids at home, right? Right. All of that, be careful. Watch what you say. And this is very important. Our doctrine is important and how our words. You All right, know. Give me a few examples of things you're trying to avoid saying the wrong thing. Well, like, for example, when you say, I mean, there's so many phrases that I've gotten better at at the words, you know, let go and let God. Okay, that's a sanctification <laughs> thing. And they don't know necessarily what they mean by that, but it sounds good. Right. And there's phrases that I've learned not to use, but you hear it all the time. Uh, Well, like, for example, when it comes to rewards, you'll even hear free grace people say, well, rewards aren't important to me, or I don't, you know, I don't worry about the rewards. Or I don't focus on that because that would be selfish or something. Exactly. Even though Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. (laughs) And rewards are almost on every page of the New Testament. Right. You know, and so we got to be careful of things like that. Or how about in evangelism, some people say, invite Jesus into your heart. Right, or say a sinner's prayer. Where are those things found in the Bible? Exactly. Aren't we going to be accountable if we give that kind of language? Or how about this, surrender your life to Christ. Whether that's for evangelism or for discipleship, both are confusing. And I would say, where is that in the Bible? Yeah, the best you could find in the Bible is something like living sacrifices in uh, Romans 12.1. Right. To give yourself as a living sacrifice. But there, I think it's the point is, it's like the Old Testament sacrificial system. Instead of a dead sacrifice, some animal, I'm an ongoing sacrifice. So basically what it's saying is, my life 
May it be continually pleasing to the Lord. My daughter, Catherine, and I, who travels with me sometimes, we look up the word surrender doesn't occur in the New Testament. But you hear it all the time. Yeah. And even our hymns, I surrender all. I surrender. <laughs> you know, I mean, and, and so you get these things in there. And it's, it's very confusing. And e- even a free grace person, we can slip into that. Yeah. You know, and we have to be careful. And we accept the awesome responsibility, but we're very conscious about the words we use. Doctrine is very important. The Lord's going to hold us accountable. You know, we talk about, I have a shirt called Eternal Life Matters that Dix Winston gave me, which is kind of nice. Doctrine matters too. Doctrine's important. All right. Well, thank you all and keep grace in focus. Thank you guys for that great discussion. Are you interested in finding other free grace believers just like yourself in your area? Well, you can do that by going to our website, faithalone.org. That's faithalone.org. On our website, we have a church tracker. It's an easy-to-use map that will help you locate those other Free Grace churches that might be in your area. So come visit us at the website and take advantage of our free church tracker. It's at faithalone.org. That's faithalone.org. There are a lot of costs involved in staying on the air. That's why we so much appreciate our financial partners. If you'd like to learn how to become one, you can find out more by going to faithalone.org. We would love to hear from you. Maybe you've got a question, comment, or some feedback. If you do, please don't hesitate to send us a message. Here's our email address. It's radio at faithalone.org. That's radio at faithalone.org. On the next Grace in Focus, as a result of obedience to Christ, will women also be rewarded to rule with Christ in the kingdom? Or is it just men? Please join us next time. This is the Grace Evangelical Society. Until next time, let's keep grace in focus. The preceding has been a listener-supported ministry from the Grace Evangelical Society.